0: Good morning. I'm Duarte Giraldino.
1: And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them.
0: We begin with the latest on Trump's health and what it means for the president of the United States to be suffering from a life-threatening illness.
1: The president went on a short drive last night to show people that he's doing well, and he waved to his supporters who were standing outside the Walter Reed Medical Facility where he's being treated. God
0: bless our president! He also released another video, the third this weekend.
1: It's been a very interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. And I get it and I understand it. And it's a very interesting thing. And I'm going to be letting you know about it. In the meantime, we love the USA and we love what's happening. There were so many conflicting statements all weekend about the president's health status and when exactly he first learned that he was positive. The Wall Street Journal helps us connect the dots. On Sunday, Trump's doctors said his condition was improving, that maybe he would even be able to leave the hospital as soon as today. But they also said his symptoms have been serious. His blood oxygen level had dropped below normal levels on Friday and again on Saturday. They now say that he's taking a steroid that's typically reserved for seriously ill patients. The White House physician also said that the president had been put on supplemental oxygen on Friday, which he hadn't disclosed earlier in the weekend. Because of President Trump's age, he's 74 years old, and the fact that he's mildly obese— he's in a higher risk category. His doctors say he received an experimental antibody cocktail on Friday and that he's currently on a five-day course of an antiviral drug called Remdesivir. This is not FDA approved, but it has been authorized for emergency use.
0: And that's at the heart of these conflicting messages. The president's medical treatments seem really aggressive, and he's reportedly exhibited serious symptoms and yet The administration is apparently trying to communicate to you that he's doing just fine. Take the president's drive-by last night. Was it safe? Was it the responsible thing to do? An attending physician at Walter Reed called it an act of, quote, political theater and insanity. Dr. James Phillips tweeted, Every single person in the vehicle during that completely unnecessary presidential drive-by just now has to be quarantined for 14 days. They might get sick. They might die.
1: On Saturday night, the White House released photos of the president working at the hospital and he was dressed in a suit. He was signing papers, except if you zoom in on the photo, the pages he's signing are blank. These photos were taken just 10 minutes apart from each other, but they show the president working in two different rooms in the Walter Reed suite. And this quickly led to speculation about why the White House felt the need to stage a photo op.
0: And then there's that confusing timeline. The only reason we know about it is because of Jennifer Jacobs. She's the Bloomberg reporter who tweeted on Thursday. Her sources were telling her Trump's close aide, Hope Hicks, tested positive. Within hours, the president confirmed he and his wife are infected. And then the confusion began.
1: On Saturday, the president's doctor, Sean Connolly, said that President Trump was, quote, 72 hours into his diagnosis, which implies that Trump knew about his diagnosis on Wednesday, the day after the debate. That would mean that he knew his positive status before he attended a fundraiser in Bedminster, New Jersey. But then Dr. Conley walked the statement back, saying he should have said day three, counting Thursday evening, Friday and Saturday.
0: So either the president's medical team is hazy on the facts about their most important patient or the White House is rewriting the messaging that's being put out about the president's health. Whatever the case, it has people wondering, how can we trust what's coming from the White House? Since the president announced on Friday that he is infected, more than 100,000 people in the U.S. have tested positive for COVID-19. Vox points out, right now, Trump is one of 30,000 people in the U.S. hospitalized with the disease. Chris Wallace on Fox News implored viewers to take this seriously.
1: The president of the United States is the, in the most secure bubble in the world in the sense that everybody who comes in contact with him has to take a test, and he's still got it. So wear the damn mask and follow the science. Oh my That's goodness. the key takeaway. Now, it's not clear where the president and first lady contracted COVID-19, but some health experts suspect the gathering in the Rose Garden to celebrate Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court may have been a super spreader event. This was last Saturday. You can see photographs from the gathering, rows and rows of people sitting shoulder to shoulder in the garden, hugging handshaking, with many people not wearing masks.
0: More than 150 people gathered in the Rose Garden. And as of right now, around 4 a.m. on Monday morning, at least eight people who were celebrating in that garden have tested positive. That includes the President, First Lady, Chris Christie, Kellyanne Conway, and Senators Mike Lee and Tom Tillis. Both of those senators are on the Judiciary Committee, which begins hearings on the nomination of Barrett next week. According to one health expert who spoke to the Washington Post, it's very difficult, almost impossible to track chains of infection that may have started in the Rose Garden. When Dr. Connolly spoke to the press on Saturday, he suggested the CDC was coordinating with the White House on the response to the Rose Garden event. Yet, it was reported shortly after that the CDC is not helping the White House map out a response. And as far as the city is concerned, An official from the Washington, D.C.'s mayor's office said usually the city works with private entities like colleges and universities to do contact tracing. But the White House is its own sovereign institution. It does not have an obligation to report things to the city. So when it comes to contact tracing, the White House is flying solo.
1: Finally, National Geographic looks back at other presidents who've fallen ill while in office, and in some cases, the serious national security ramifications that it caused.
0: Did you know President Woodrow Wilson contracted the 1918 flu? His illness had big geopolitical consequences. Now, at the time he got infected, he was in the middle of negotiating a treaty to end World War I, and the flu had him so exhausted that he reportedly gave up most of his demands. Now, National Geographic says Wilson's illness contributed to Adolf Hitler's eventual rise.
1: And later, when Wilson suffered a stroke that paralyzed the left side of his body, to hide the severity of his condition, his wife, Edith, took over his daily presidential duties until the end of his term. He totally withheld his condition from his own cabinet.
0: He wasn't the only president who kept health secrets, President Grover Cleveland in 1893 said he'd been on a fishing trip when really he had a cancerous tumor removed on a friend's yacht. Now, at the time, Cleveland's physician told the public the president was suffering only from a toothache. The truth about his procedure wasn't revealed until 24 years after the fact.
1: There's protocol for what to do when a president becomes incapacitated, it's laid out in the 25th Amendment. But not all presidents have invoked it when facing a health emergency. President Ronald Reagan temporarily transferred power to Vice President George H.W. Bush when he underwent a medical procedure. But he didn't do it when he was shot in an attempted assassination in 1981. When President George W. Bush had two colonoscopies, he did invoke the 25th Amendment. He temporarily transferred power to his vice president, Dick Cheney.
0: And yet... With U.S. coronavirus cases ticking up, the election only 29 days away and the new Supreme Court term beginning today, the White House says there's no talk of transferring power from President Trump to Vice President Mike Pence, and that the president is fully functional and able to carry out his duties despite being COVID positive. You can find all those stories and more on the Apple News app.
1: We'll talk with you again tomorrow.